Good morning. Thank you uh, so much for having me back. Am I, am I on? Can y'all hear me? Okay. All right. Good. I can't hear myself very well. Um, thank you so much for having me back uh, to be with you. I enjoyed so much being with you uh, a couple of weeks ago. I noticed uh, a lot of you had on jeans. You know what? I wear jeans all the time. I never get to preach in jeans, so I decided to wear jeans today. And I hope that's okay with y'all. But uh, <laughs> uh, it is uh, so much fun to be with you. Uh, I have, as I uh, told you a couple of weeks ago, I have observed uh, this church for, well, ever since uh, you have been a church, uh, as I pastored in uh, Oxford for 16 years and uh, watched you and have, have gotten to know uh, some, several of you uh, very well over the years, and it's just a privilege for me to be with you. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we, we talked about life with God and looked at it through the eyes of the psalmist in Psalm chapter 1. And we talked about the fact that, uh, that doing life with God makes a difference. There are results that come as a result of walking with Him. It's not a reward, it's a result. It's, it's a result of satisfaction and fruitfulness and having consistency in our character. And it's those things that make life so beautiful and worthwhile. There's nothing like having a relationship with God, is there? Amen. Nothing like it through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I thought, you know, since we started that a couple of weeks ago, let's, let's do a little bit more of that today. And I want us to go to a psalm that you're very, very familiar with. It's the 23rd Psalm. You may not even have to open your Bibles today uh, for, for, for you to, uh, to, to know what the Scripture has to say here. This psalm, uh, someone said, tells us more about God and us, about life and death, about time and eternity than maybe any other passage in the entire Old Testament. It was written by David. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a psalm about a shepherd and his sheep. Well, you know it, don't you? Why don't you say it with me? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wow, you did good. You did really good. I learned that when I was a kid, and I learned it in the King James Version. I, I have a, a, another version that I, I, I read from or I preach from now, but today we're just going to sort of talk through it uh, and uh, and, and I hope that, that as we look at this idea of life with God, it'll just come to life for you. As we think about this shepherd, David, who wrote this song about his relationship with God. Oh, look, it is, it is a beautiful, wonderful psalm. The first five words, the Lord is my shepherd. 
And you just think, if that's, that's almost enough right there, isn't it? The Lord is my shepherd. When we think about those words, the Lord, you know that, that word in the Hebrew language in which it was written is the name of God. It is the word Yahweh. Now, when we think about the Lord is my shepherd, we, we got to start by saying, well, now, who is this now? Who is it that is my shepherd? Who is it that David is saying, he is my shepherd? It is Yahweh. That name was so sacred to the Hebrews that they wouldn't even pronounce it. They would not even use the name. Uh, they would use the name Adonai, which means Lord. And many of the uh, the translation. In fact, many of the, most of the English translations, when they translate Yahweh for Lord, they will spell it in small capital letters. So whenever you see it in small caps, you know that is Yahweh. That is Yahweh. It's also been sort of transliterated into the word Jehovah, Jehovah, which is an awesome name. But um, I love Yahweh. Yahweh. What does it mean? Where do we get that? Well, we get it from God himself. You remember back in Exodus chapter 3, God was speaking to another shepherd. Uh, his name was Moses. Is at a burning bush. And as Moses was speaking to the Lord, and the Lord was saying, I want you to go set my people free. Moses was just jabbering. I mean, he was coming up with every kind of excuse that he could come up with. And then he finally said, well, who am I to tell these people sent me? What I tell them? You remember what the Lord said? I am that I am. I am that I am. Or I am who I am. What in the world is that? I mean, that is almost incomprehensible for us to think through what that means. He is self-existent. He always has been. He is the creator, but he was never created. What? He is changeless. And he is unchangeable. The Theological word for that that the that smart folks use, and I don't. I just read this. I don't. Immutable. He is immutable. He is self-determining. He is all of this. He is sovereign. And and David says Yahweh is my shepherd. Now that's just enough to settle in on for a long time, all by itself. Yahweh. The next word is is. Is means to be. It means that he exists, that he is. But it also means immediacy. It means that he is now. He, he didn't say Yahweh used to be my shepherd. He didn't say one day I hope Yahweh will be my shepherd. He said Yahweh is my shepherd. And the next little word is my. Yahweh is my shepherd, that personal pronoun. Do you know if you'll look at the 23rd Psalm, don't do it right now, start counting, don't do it. Uh, just believe me for right now, you can go count it later. There are 28 personal pronouns in those six little verses. 25% of all of the words are personal pronouns in Psalm 23. Someone has said it is so universal because it is so individual. 
It applies to every single one of us. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. And then that last word is shepherd. David understood shepherds because David had been a shepherd. And when he thought about his relationship with the Lord, it's just simply to me, his saying, you know, to me, God is like this. This is what God is like to me. I read a, a story uh, that, that was about a, a man named Alan Emery. Alan Emery was an industrialist, uh, a wealthy man. He, he sat on the boards of many corporations, and, but, he, but he also he was a believer, and he sat on, on uh, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. It was one of his, one, one of the people that could speak into the ear of Billy Graham. And he told a story that when he was younger, he started out working with his father in the wool business. And uh, so he had an opportunity as a young man one night to go out with a shepherd in East Texas out on the prairie and just spend the night with this guy. He said it was the most unusual experience that he had ever had. He went out with this shepherd. The shepherd had three dogs that would help to herd and protect the sheep. And there were 2,000 sheep. And he said that night they got together and the shepherd built a big bonfire. He said they were out there and it was just an amazing thing. And he said to see that fire and the, and the dogs there and the shepherd who was the only human master of 2,000 sheep. And the sheep settled in all around there and they lay down at peace, and began to rest. And he said about in the middle of the night, the, the darkness and the, and, and the silence was pierced with the sound of howling coyotes. And he said the dogs began to growl, and the sheep stood up, and they began to bleat. And the, uh, the shepherd took more wood, and he put more wood on the fire until there was a Big, blazing fire. And Alan said he looked around and he could see all around him these tiny little lights and he realized that the lights were the eyes of the sheep. And he said the sheep were not looking out to where the danger was. They were looking toward their protection, their shepherd. And when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, he is the one in whom I have complete trust. He is the one who takes care of me. The Lord is my shepherd. And then there's this amazing declaration. He says, I shall not want. I heard of a kid one time that was quoting this for his parents. He says, the Lord is my shepherd He's all I want. It wrong words, but that's some really good theology, I'm telling you. I shall not want. The uh, Holman Christian version says it like this. There's nothing I lack. I lack nothing that I need. I want for nothing that I need. 
Now, that's an, uh, that is an amazing declaration because the Lord is my shepherd. I lack for nothing. How can that be? What does that mean? I, I want us to think the rest of the moments uh, that we have together about what does it mean to say, I, I lack nothing that I need. I shall not want. Why? Let me tell you there, I, I, I'm not usually an alliterator, but uh, it, just, it just works for this, so I'm going to do it. I shall not want. Why? Because of his provision. And these are, these are the things that he provides. First of all, he provides his peace. Now think about this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, uh, and I'm not a sheep person. I have to read to understand this stuff. But sheep, like most animals, eat on all fours. They eat while they're standing. But he said he makes me lie down in green pastures. Well, the green pastures are the place where the, the best grass is. And the sheep, in this analogy, have already eaten. They've eaten the grass to their full. You know that sheep are, uh, are animals that have more than one chamber in their stomach. And so they, they will eat to their full and then they lie down. And I mean, it's sort of gross, but I mean, they lie down and they regurgitate and they just chew and they just chew and they eat and they enjoy it all over again. Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, that'd just be great. <laughs> but but they, they eat and they are full and they're lying down and, and he's just giving you a picture of peace. Somebody has said it like this. They, are, they were resting in their blessings. Now, this is not about sheep and the shepherd. It's about God and us. And, and he's saying that I don't have any want. Let me tell you why. Because he provides his peace. Goes on to say, uh, he leadeth me beside the quiet waters, the still waters. Same analogy, same understanding that sheep will not drink out of running water, but water that is still and is peaceful. And I want you to just get that picture I'm at, I'm at peace, I'm at rest, I am content. Can you say that your life is contented today? I, I, hope, I hope you can, but life can get kind of discontenting at times. And content is a, is a word that comes from two Latin words, and it basically means to hold together. The, the opposite of flying apart. So is your life holding together. I, I love what Paul had to say about this uh, in Philippians chapter 4. He said, I have learned the secret of being content. If you see that by itself, you say, well, tell me what it is. I want to know what that is. I've learned the secret of being content. And he said, I've learned to be content whether I have a lot or whether I don't have anything. Whether I'm hungry or whether I am 
well fed. And so you're waiting. What is the secret of being content? He said this, I can do all things through him who loved me. I can do all things through Christ. The secret of contentment is it's God, it's Jesus. And so he says, if, if you want to know what it means to say, I, I really don't want for anything, understand first, it's because what he gives us. Not anything that we do is what he gives, and his provision is his peace. Let me give you another one. He gives his power. He restoreth my soul. He restores my soul. He renews my life. I just love that understanding. Going back to the sheep analogy, and I, again, had to read this because I, I, I don't know about sheep, but I understand that sheep um, are a little, you know, if, if, if they walk and, and they graze in an area where the ground is not level, they can lose their balance and they can roll over, maybe into a little ditch or to a little ravine. Once they roll over because the heaviness of the wool on them and the heaviness of their body and they got these skinny little legs, they can't get up. They're on their backs and they cannot get up. They call those sheep cast down. I call them upside down. And, and, and what in the world are they going to do? Well, I'll tell you what they're going to do. If they lie there like that long enough, they're going to die. Uh, because of, of, of what is happening in their bodies, obviously they're not being fed or anything like that, but they can't get up. And the blood is all rushing into their bodies. And from what I've read, they can only last a few hours like that. It's a responsibility to see sheep that are upside down and go put them back on their feet that's what it means he restores my soul he puts me back on my feet you ever been upside down I mean there are all kinds of ways that we can be upside down sin puts us upside down if we are his sheep if we belong to him there's a beautiful word called forgiveness if we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just. He'll forgive us our sin, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and he picks us up and puts us back on our feet. Oh, how freeing is that? Maybe you're upside down because of stress, and stress is just taking you to the place you don't know what else to do. And the Lord reminds you, don't be anxious about anything, but everything by, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus and he sets you back on your feet. Maybe it's sorrow, grief. And he says, I'm going to walk with you. Behold, I'm with you always. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I know you're hurting, and I'm hurting too. But I'm going to put you on your feet, and we're going to walk this together. Look, y'all, whatever it is, you know what it's like to be upside down. David says, my shepherd 
restores me. He refreshes me. I was talking to a, a friend yesterday that I hadn't talked to in a couple of years. Lost contact with him. He just retired from the military uh, about the time I lost contact with him. And uh, he called me. He said, Gary, I, I haven't talked to you. He said, because honestly, I haven't wanted to talk to anybody. I said, what's going on, man? He said, when I retired, and he had been in active duty in um, Afghanistan and um, Iraq, uh, and he said, uh, I didn't anticipate this, but he said, I, I got... He said, I started having nightmares, and, and I got severely depressed, and, and uh, PS, what is it, PTSD? And he described all of this, and then, but you know what he told me? He said, I'm doing better. I'm doing a lot better now. He said, you know what my best moments are? My best moments when, when the Lord and I, just, it's just us. And the two of us are together, and he says, I'm good then. You know why? Because he restores my soul, refreshes my life. Oh, is it any wonder why? David would say, I don't want for anything. I shall not want why? Because he provides his peace and he provides his power. He provides his path. It says, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. One of the things that I, I love about a relationship with the Lord is this. He, he would call people to himself Jesus would with two little words and those words were follow me. Now, I want to tell you that's the relationship with Jesus is follow me. It's really not that complicated. It's to look at him and to go where he's going. And when you look at him and go where he's going, he's, gonna, he's not going to lead you down bad paths. He's going to lead you along what, what he calls righteous paths. Paths of Righteousness. You mean, is it possible for me to live a righteous life? Yeah, it is when you're following him. It's his path. I mean, I could talk so much on this. is, I think, a huge, huge understanding of what it means to be a Christian is to be a person who says, I'm going to follow Jesus it's an adventure to follow Jesus, let me tell you. Uh, you don't always know where you, sometimes you think, what are you, where are we going? I mean, how is this happening? And you look back later and you say, oh, wow, wow. The scripture says that he has a purpose for you and for me, and his purpose is that we be conformed into the image of his son, Jesus. And being Conformed to the image of his son Jesus is an adventure. But it's a very personal adventure. And he takes each one of us on that adventure. And he does so gently. But he says, come after me. Follow me. I have no want, no need because 
He has provided his path. And if I'll take the path. Wow, what a life. But that's not all. He also provides his presence. I can't tell you how many funerals I've used this uh, message or this, uh, this psalm in. But yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. I shall not want. Why? Because he provides his presence. He says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He's present with his rod and his staff. He's present with protection. I love this thought. The rod would be, for a shepherd would have been protection against wild animals coming after the sheep. So it would be protection against the enemy. The staff had a little crook in it, and it would keep the sheep from wandering off of the path or, or, or whatever he might need to do to pull them back into line it's sort of a discipline but at the same time the way I like to look at it is he protects us from our enemies and he also protects us from ourselves life gets dark sometimes yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death when he says I shall not want some people would want to look at that and say that anything I want he's going to give me how many of y'all discovered that ain't true? <laughs> uh, the fact is that he knows what you want more than you know what you want. He knows what you need more than you know what you need. But life gets dark. And uh, we all know about stories of darkness as we walk through life. I heard the story, um, I read a story about Gardner Taylor. Gardner Taylor was an African-American preacher in the early 20th century. He preached uh, in New York City. He taught at Harvard Divinity School. Uh, some of the greatest preachers he taught. He grew up in Louisiana, and he told a story about when he was a young preacher early in the Depression years. And he was in preaching in Louisiana, and he went out into a very, very rural area. Back in those days, electricity was just being run to those areas. And he's, he was in this small little black church that had a single light bulb hanging from the ceiling. And that's all the light that they had. And he said he was a young preacher, and he was up there preaching away, when all of a sudden, the electricity went off. And they were in total darkness. And he said he stumbled around for a little while, didn't know what to say. And, and, and they could tell he was beginning to really be frustrated when the voice of an elderly old man from the back of the room said, Keep preaching, brother. We can still, we can still see Jesus in the dark. I want to tell you that it's in the dark places sometimes where we see him most clearly. And he says, no matter what, I know that I have no want because he's always with me. No matter what, I have his presence. And finally, I have his promise. The imagery of the psalm changes drastically. Right there toward the, in, in the fifth verse, thou preparest a table before me. In the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My 
cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall pursue me, follow me all the days of my life. And now all of a sudden we have this change of imagery. We're at a banquet and, and, and you or I are sitting as the main guest at the banquet. You prepare a table before me and, and, and you anoint my head with oil, which is a, a recognition of your status. My cup runneth over. There's more than enough. Always will be. And you see the special status that he that he, he gives. Jesus talked often about this banquet that, that, is, that, we are, that is being prepared for us, the wedding feast that is spoken of in Matthew 25, spoken of in uh, uh, Revelation chapter 18. This feast that is being prepared for those who follow Jesus. What I love, it says, Thou preparest a table before me, listen to this, in the presence of mine enemies. They're looking at you, getting all of this, and they can't do anything about it. The evil one's looking on. He can't do anything about it. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will be pursued right now, right now in my life by God's goodness and by his mercy. He is pursuing me with all of this. That's now. But there's this little conjunction, and. I don't know if you've ever looked at it like this. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me tell you something. What we choose now is going to affect what we have then and it's a call on all of those who read this psalm to say what am I choosing now have I chosen to follow this shepherd or not the Lord is my shepherd Maybe the most amazing of those little words is the word my. Keep going back to that my 28 personal pronouns. It's an old story uh, about a couple of hikers. They were going through the Welsh mountains and they came upon a young boy who was tending sheep. And it was a beautiful setting, and they were so taken by what he was doing with the sheep around him. And he was so happy to see a couple of people that would come along in that deserted sort of area. And they came, and they began to talk, and they began to talk about his sheep and what he was doing. And the conversation came around to Psalm 23. And one of the men said to the boy, he said, you can remember it like this. The, the five words, he said, just take your left hand and, and uh, one finger for each word. The emphatic beginning, Lord, think about who God is and, and his grace and his mercy for you. Is, he is, he is, he exists and he is with you right now. And then my, he said, my is on the ring finger of your left hand. He said, it's like when people get married, they put rings on their fingers. It is a reminder of the one whom they love. 
He's my, and finally, shepherd. Well, they were thrilled with the conversation, they, and the boy was thrilled with it, and they went on about their, their travels. A year later, they were coming through the same area, same two guys, and they came up on a little house, and um, as was the custom, they went to this little house, and uh, the, the lady of the house there had prepared tea for them, and they came into the house and sat down and were having tea with her. And on the table, there was a picture, and it was a picture of this boy. It was the same shepherd boy they had been with the year before. And they said, we know him. We saw him last year. And she sort of uh, composed herself and put her tea down. She said, that's my son. He died in a winter storm this past winter. And she said, in, in the storm, he fell off a cliff and we didn't find him for days. And she paused a minute, and then she said, the strangest thing. They said, well, what was that? She said, well, when they found his body, his right hand was gripping the ring finger of his left hand. And we don't understand. And they said, well, we do. And they told her what they had told him. The reminder that whether you're at the end of the day or you're at the end of a job or whether you're at the end of your life, the Lord is my shepherd. Dallas Willard has said, the Lord is my shepherd is on many more tombstones than it is in lives. Lots of people can quote this psalm great the question is is the Lord your shepherd Jesus said I am the good shepherd I know my sheep and they know me Jesus said I am the way and the truth and the life no man comes to the father except through me and so on this day, we look at this simple psalm. We think about what life with God is all about. Let me tell you, friend, you can't have life with God without Jesus. The one who gave his life. At his death, the penalty of your sin, past, present, future, was paid for. It is resurrection. You were given life that will live forever. And all we have to do is say, I believe that. I believe that. And I want him for my shepherd.